Amen. Praise God. I want you to open your Bibles today to Isaiah 64, verse 6. The title of this message is From Rags to Riches, or some of you might would rather title it Slumdog Millionaire. So whichever, you know, it doesn't matter. You, whichever you prefer. In, in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. It's been said that a, a failure is a man who goes through life earning nothing but money. Sometimes we think of riches as only money. And we, we fail to recognize how rich we are, how wealthy we are in other things. And so Isaiah says that all of, our, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We don't want to become like one who is unclean, one who maybe is seeking things for himself and trying to build your kingdom. Maybe it's a subconscious type thing, but maybe that's what controls your mind and controls your thoughts about what you uh, have and what you're going to get and how you're going to go about getting it. And that consumes you rather than what God wants to do and building his kingdom and asking him what he wants to do and what he wants to, to use you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you is what Jesus said. He said, also said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So uh, don't let that be a source that drives you away from God, but uh, allow your giving to be such that brings you closer to God and gives him an opportunity to bless. So, I mean, he does, he, he's the creator of all things, and he can create, he creates wealth, and he could just, just pour it out to you, but he's, he has certain principles too, and his principles for that is that you give and it shall be given unto you. So he's already predetermined that. It ought to be where it's in abundance. Wouldn't that be great? So that's what we're going to start. Let's start declaring that we're going to hear how we're going to hear abundance and that we're above and not beneath. Amen? So I want to talk about this thing about from rags to riches. If his word says that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, that's who we are. What we do is, is viewed from God's standpoint as filthy rags. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll turn there, we're going to read several verses from Ephesians chapter 2. First of all, let's look at the first three verses and see what the Apostle Paul is telling us. He goes back and kind of tells us who we are. Now we hear Isaiah telling us that we, our righteous acts or all our righteousness or our acts done in what we think is right are as filthy rags. But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he tells us a little bit about us. He says, as for you, you were dead in your trans transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You can't afford to be disobedient in your life. If you do, you open the door for Satan to do all kinds of works. Did you catch that in that verse? Verse 2 again, in which you used to live, you know, we were, we, were, uh, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. If you've accepted Christ, you've been declared that you are alive now. But if we still walk in disobedience, hey, we're opening a door. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. 
Our righteousness is like filthy rags. I mean, we were a mess. Without Christ, we are a mess. And if you've accepted him, if you're living on your, your own way and your own will, you're a mess. That's what the, the Word of God says. But look at verses 4 through 7. Verse 4 there in Ephesians chapter 2. But, everybody say but. but. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in him in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He said, you are like filthy rags. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You're nothing. You, you have been, uh, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, with him. He places us with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. By God's unmerited favor, he delivers us from that particular state, and he makes us uh, where we had just filthy rags, he turns us around into wealth and riches. He says, and God, verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ, man, with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. All this incomparable riches are going to be expressed through us. God desires to do it just to show the devil how he can take filthy rags and turn it in and work riches and express all of his incomparable riches through us. Amen. From rags to riches, what does that mean? You know, when, when a person rises from poverty to wealth or from obscurity to fame, that's known as from rags to riches, and there's a lot of rags to riches stories, and you can just go and, and read about them, that people literally started with nothing and turned it around. Most of the time it takes a lot of work on their part, but you do something and it pays off. You know, we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we follow after him, we put off ourselves. we put off our flesh, we allow the riches of God to shine through us, and we keep getting uh, closer and closer to him, we become more and more like him, and we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So he says that he has blessed you in the heavenly realms with every blessing or every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that's untold wealth. I know most of you think untold wealth is what you don't report on your income tax, but uh, <laughs> this, this is untold wealth. Untold wealth is we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You say, well, that's great, Pastor. I'm glad that I'm blessed in the heavenly realm, but I'd like to have a little of that blessing down here in the earthly realm. Well, don't worry, because whatever things happen there begin to happen here. Amen? Amen. And... Uh, so whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we know that there's this trans, uh, 
port type uh, portal that comes from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. So when we align ourselves with God and his riches and his blessings, then all these blessings that are in the spiritual realm, they flow through us. In fact, they're flowing through us now, but we have a tendency not to see our true wealth and true blessings. Because we have a tendency to look to wealth as being simply money. And because of that, then that's what we want to hang on to. And we, we become greedy to get more of it. And we become stingy to let go of it. Because we think that, that money is the only thing that can buy us happiness or cause us to be happy. Let me just say that, it, yeah, you know, it, it is a little, little happier to be, have more money than it is to have less, of course. But that's not the only thing that can buy you happiness because you can have all the money in the world. And if, uh, you know, things begin to go, go south in your life, who are you going to turn to? We've got to turn to God. So he says that all of these blessings in, spiritual, uh, in the heavenly realms, in every spiritual blessing in Christ, he's been given, it's been given to us. So we are, uh, we are his, and he's rescued us from the, that state of unrighteousness, and he's blessed us, he's called us, and he's taken our filthy rags, and he wants to turn those into riches to be expressed to principalities and powers and rulers in high places, to those that are around about us. Now, our riches or our blessings portfolio today includes some things. So I'd like to go through our portfolio of blessings or our spiritual wealth. If you're with me, let's do a little checklist. The very first thing in our portfolio for our riches in Christ Jesus are CDs. Not CDs that you play in music, but uh, CDs. You know, a lot of people don't... Uh, don't invest in CDs, certificates of deposit anymore because of the fact that uh, they don't, you don't make any money off of them. But, uh, hey, we got something better. Our CDs are simply, are, are actually Christ deposits. And what does he deposit in us? The very first thing that God deposits in us is Christ. Christ in you. Colossians chapter uh, 1 verse 27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God uh, chooses to make known to the whole world the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? Christ in you. And when we accept Christ... We say we receive him, and where does, if we receive Christ, you know, where is he? If he's in us, where is he in us? In our spirit. Our spirit, at sin, sin separated us from God. Sin always separates us from God. And at the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, then mankind died. Because God said, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And mankind died spiritually. And so our spirit was dead, and we needed it to be repowered, re born again, powered up again, regenerated. So by receiving Christ, he regenerates, repowers. We are, are born again to a new life, and our spirit man becomes alive in Christ. Um, and then Christ simply comes in, his spirit comes into our spirit, and it's Christ in us. So it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ in me that lives, Right? Although, if you don't watch out, you find that you still got a lot of you living in you, right? So the process throughout our life is to put off ourself and to put on Christ. We're to become more and more like Christ. You've heard the, the doctrine of justification and of sanctification. 
justification, God declares the believing sinner to be righteous based upon the works of Jesus Christ. Nothing that we could do could deserve that. That's justification. Just as if you'd never sinned, those filthy rags that you had, God declares you to be righteous now by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving him. Sanctification is what you do after you've been declared to be righteous. You can be declared to be righteous and you're not there yet. But sanctification is a process where justification is an act that God does. Sanctification is a process whereby we become more and more like Christ when we put off our old self and we put on the new man, Jesus Christ. Christ in us, the hope or expectation of glory. Christ in us, the expectation of his manifested character. We ought to expect the character of Jesus Christ to be manifested in us because we have that hope or that expectation because he's in us. If he's in us, then he needs to be seen through us. Come on now. Are you still with me? So do people see Christ in you? Or how would they see Christ in you? Through his abilities and through his character. So that's where we allow him to shine through. Whenever things or, or the storms are raging, we allow the peace of God to shine through us. Where there's, there seems to be a, a situation for hate, we turn it into an opportunity for love. And where there's a, a situation that would bring about sorrow and sadness, we can turn it around to bring joy, right? So you see, we allow or expect the character of Christ to flow through us, to shine through us. Christ in you. God deposits the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the deity and all of its fullness is in you. Wow, that's amazing. We can't even comprehend that because, I mean, we can say it and we can try to imagine what that means, but we really can't even conceive what that means, that all of the fullness of the deity dwells in us in bodily form is what the Word of God says. Wow, he's in us. All of him is in us. We just need to see how much of him are we allowing to come through. So we should expect the glory or the character of Christ to be displayed in our life. And when circumstances arise, then that same power. See, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And it shall quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. So when situations arise, the same power that Christ had, we have. Do we do it? Do we use it? Wow. The first thing out of your mouth ought to be what Jesus would say rather than some other something, some curse word. When uh, we went back to Tulsa, Oklahoma for about four years, um, and before I got enrolled in Oral Roberts University, I, went out, I needed to get a job to help uh, feed my four kids that I had. So I went back to work for a secular construction company. We were building some fourplex apartments in Jinx, Oklahoma, and uh, throughout the process, I was uh, running the job for putting in the, the steps, the stairs, which were made out of 4 by 12 cedar beams, and uh, they're kind of rough to cut, and so a skill saw can get bound up on those. If you've ever messed with cedar, you know a lot of times it's real wet and damp, and the guy that was helping me was a walk-on for the Oklahoma Outlaws at that time when they started that league. He was about six foot six, and his upper body was about that wide. <laughs> He had Popeye arms on him about like that. It was just amazing. So that was good. He could do all the heavy lifting. And he'd plug my 100-foot extension cord into 
another 100-foot extension cord, which plugged into another 100-foot extension cord that was plugged into another 100-foot extension cord that was plugged into uh, an extension cord going to someplace else. So I crank that old skill saw down. It goes, whoa, whoa. And so I pulled it back a little bit and cranked down on it again, and it, it's got some RPMs on it. And when it went in, I hit a knot in that, that 4x12, and it jerked that saw up, and then it really got some RPMs, and it just, ah, it just splattered that left thumb. It just ripped it all up. And so immediately I just said, in the name of Jesus, I bind all power and infection. All, all pain and infection in Jesus' name. And man, that thing was just bleeding and blood was squirting everywhere, you know. I went over to my lunch bucket or kit there and, and got some ice out and put around it. Of course, that made it seem worse, you know. One drop of blood in some water just really seems worse. And, and when I finally looked up, he was standing there with his, his eyes about this big and he said, I got to sit down. And he, he sat down, he says, and he looked and he says, man, you didn't even cuss. <laughs> I said, well, that's good. (laughs) I didn't know what, I really didn't occur to me what I had said. I just said what was in me to say. I mean, you know, the the power that was there was the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was expecting, my hope was the hope of glory, my expectation for God to manifest in my situation and bring healing and keep all the infection from everything that was on that saw blade and everything else that was all around out of my thumb and, uh, and to, to bind the pain because I knew I needed to work the rest of the day because if you're in construction, you don't get sick leave. You just leave sick. <laughs> That's all it is. So, and you don't get paid for that. So I needed to work the rest of the day and that was the first thing in the morning. And so anyway, the whole thing is, is what comes out of you? What do people hear or what do they see coming out of you whenever you are, when the, the pressure's on, does Christ come out of you or do you come out of you? Man, I, and I need to get better at that. I don't know about you, but I need to constantly work on that. When the pressure's on, when you're squeezed, what comes out? It ought to be Jesus. So the first deposit is Christ in you, and it's the, he is the hope of glory in us. Then the second thing God deposits is he deposits us in Christ, that you are in Christ. Not only is Christ in you, but you are in Christ. Now, what amazing thing that is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, we saw it a while ago, but let's read it again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And God raised us up with Christ. Let me pause just a second to say that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, that, sh- that was a sign that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. What a triumph. No greater triumph than Jesus being risen. Would you agree with me? Okay, now then, with that, God says, then he's raised us up with Christ. The same victory. In fact, the Bible says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The same victory that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead is ours. Oh, y'all ain't hearing this today. I wish I had somebody to preach to today. He said, uh, he says, and God raised us up with Christ and look at this, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. You are raised and seated raised from all of the garbage and all of the defeat and seated in the heavenly realms. You are high above all this stuff. When everything's trying to pull you down, say, man, I'm above this. That's way below me. That's way below me. I'm not even going to participate in that. I'm not even going to go there. We ain't going there. No, no, no. uh -uh. I'm seated in the heavenly realms. Therefore, I'm going to exercise heavenly authority. When the economy goes kaput, you know, we're not seated there. We're in the heavenly realms. You know, our citizenship is there, so we're trusting in the heavenly economy, right? 
in every situation and circumstance, we need to realize, wait a minute, I'm just visiting here. That's still below me. I have been raised up above this. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Wow. What a spot to be seated. So he says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You are in him. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. When you are born again, when you receive Christ, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he takes you and he immerses you into the body of Christ. Christ comes into you. God deposits the Spirit of Christ in you because the Bible says if the Spirit of Christ be not in you, then you're not his. So uh, the Spirit of Christ is deposited into our spirit and then the Holy Spirit seals us unto that day of redemption and then he places us or immerses us because it says that we have been baptized by one spirit. And by the way, you should come out on Wednesday nights. We're teaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit and I know you'll get something out of it. And we talked about this last Wednesday night, that he places us, immerses us, baptizes us, plunges us into the body of Christ. And now we are in the body of Christ. We are in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 talks about this. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Whoa. Wow. When it says the fullness of the deity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what is that? I mean, what does that consist of? My goodness. I mean, it just, it can blow our mind. I mean, God the Father created all things. The Holy Spirit was, it says, was brooding over the earth at creation. He was present. The Son has conquered all things. I mean, all of the fullness... For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Why are we walking around living way below our privileges? Mm -mm -mm. We need to live like king's kids. That used to be a thing that, uh, back in the 70s that we said, I'm a king's kid, you know, that we ought to live like that. Listen to it again. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with circumcision done with the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And we have that same power and that same victory because we are in Christ. When God sees us, he doesn't see us as those filthy rags anymore. He sees us as Christ. We've gone from rags to riches. 
We have all of the fullness of God has been given to us. Why don't we act like it? Why don't we live like it? Wow. Well, number two, our riches or our blessings portfolio contains some shares. Now, what is a share? Shares are something that's a part of a larger amount which is divided among or contributed to a number of people. You know, you get some shares of a certain corporation and they call them stocks and various things, but shares, and so you share in that. And so then when they profit, then you profit too. And they, they split that all among everybody that has shares. However many shares you have, that's how much of the profit is divided up between, equally between how many shares there are, right? So in this portfolio of our wealth with Christ, we have shares. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 begins to talk about this a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As everybody shares the load, then we also then get to reap in the benefits. Now, listen to some more scriptures so that you can kind of, you can get a better foundation for this thing because I think you, you might get excited about it. In front, maybe, I don't know, some of you, I don't think anything would excite you, but that's all right. I know you're excited on the inside, it's just you haven't notified your face yet or anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 31 really describes this. Verse 12 in 1 Corinthians 12 says, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now he's talking about the body of Christ. And we're in Christ. And now we, we share together in this body. So it says, for, verse 13, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. We were immersed, we were all immersed or placed into this uh, body by the Holy Spirit, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, we'll talk about that on Wednesday night, about whether or not you're drinking or not, you know? Praise God. Need to do a little more drinking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. How many parts of the body do we have here today? Are you part of the body of Christ? Raise your hand. Okay, we have many here today. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. Right? Even though the hand says, well, you know... Uh, I'm up here and I can't tell what's going on down there, but he's still part of the body, right? There's a certain function. That's why in the body of Christ you might say, well, you know, I'm not uh, this or that, so I guess I'm just, I'm really not part of that like Christian center. I just, you know, there's just no part for me. No, hang on, listen a little, a little longer. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts. Who arranges the parts? God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Listen to today, body of Christ. Find your assignment, find your purpose, find your part, and do it. Just do it. 
It might seem insignificant at the time, but it's not. It's everything. It's part of the body. It's part of the functioning of the body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If you don't believe me, just stump your little toe and see how important it seems to be. The whole body will protect that little toe. Amen? You, you could even you know, fall and, and hurt your armpit, and you would think an armpit had no use at all, but boy, you'd figure out that armpit's important right then too. Huh? Amen? How many armpits we got in the knot on <laughs> And so he says in verse 23, and the parts that, are, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has, has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Wow. If the nursery worker gets blessed because they're taking care of the, the nursery and, then, and we're a part of that, then we get a blessing because that nursery worker is doing their part. If the ushers are ushering and the deacons are deacon. And then we get, we get reward for that, right? If you're doing your part, whatever it is, you share in, a, in the other part as well. The Astros are in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be awesome for them to win the World Series? So when, if, when they win the World Series, not only will each one of those players get a ring, but those that... In the, in the administration office and all those people, and the, people, the guy down there, you know, passing out towels and has the, gets the water there and all those, everybody gets, gets credit. They, they, as a team, they won, right? Some seem to be real important. A football team wins the, the uh, Super Bowl and everybody thinks, well, they see the quarterback. Oh, wait a minute. Everybody gets a ring. Everybody gets a ring. Even that guy runs out there and squirts water in his mouth, you know. He gets, you know, they all get credit for that win. They're on a team. So he says there in verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracle, and those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greatest gifts. In other words, you desire the gift God's placed upon you or calls you into and do that. And when you do that, you get the same reward as the apostle gets. It all comes down. It's all, God just says, everyone gets the, the same thing. Jesus told a parable about a man that hired some people early in the morning, and he promised them a, a day's wage. And then he needed some around 10 o'clock, thought, oh, I'm not going to have enough guys to finish this, so he hires some more. Then around noon, uh, he says, man, I better get some more. This job looks like we're not going to get finished tonight, so he hires some more. He promises them the same thing, a full day's wage. 
Three o'clock comes around. Oh, boy, we're not, we're not going to make it. He goes out and hires some more, promises them a full day's wage. Around 5 o'clock, they need to get done by 6 or 7. He goes out and hires some more and promises them a full day's wage. When he's handing out and paying, those that started at 7 o'clock in the morning, they were at the end of the line. Those that started at 5 o'clock in the evening, they were at the front of the line, and they were getting a full day's wage. And they, the ones back at the back said, hey, we did all the work. What's up with this? What Jesus was trying to show is, is wait a minute. God looks, if, you, if everybody does their part and you're faithful, 100% faithful to what you're asked to do, you get the same reward. I don't know about you, but I like that. Amen. I like that. Praise God. We just simply need to do what, we need, what we're called to do. Be eager to desire the greatest gift that God's given, what he's given to you. That's the greatest gift that there is. That's what you need to focus upon. We all share in the rewards if we do our part. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says this in verses 40 and 42. Matthew 10, verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who receives a righteous man because he is righteous, a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cool water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. If that's what you're called to do is to give a cup of Kool-Aid to the kids in children's church or Wednesday night, whatever it is, God says, let me tell you something. Don't worry about it. You're not going to lose your reward. You're going to be first in line. First in line. Ephesians 4, 16 again. We read that to start. It says, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So people, it takes all of us. Amen. It takes all of us. And God's designed this in such a way that it takes every person doing what we're called to do. You know, in the motivational gifts, there's, there's, various, there's the organizer that goes out and gets everything organized, and there's the giver. You know, and so, you know, it might look like the organizer's doing more, but the organizer wouldn't have anything to organize if the giver didn't give. Now that's, say, so, oh, wait a minute, so does that mean if I'm not a giver, I don't have to give tithes and offerings? No, 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 no. We all do that. We all participate in that. But some people are called as paymasters, if you will, that they, over and above, that they watch and God blesses them in a particular way. And they might not be super wealthy, but they're just, he's given them that ability, that particular type of an anointing and gift to give towards certain things. This is the same way that a person that's an organizer or an administrator has that gift to be able to administer certain things. Or the mercy has that, that gift of mercy and the exhorter can exhort. So there's motivational gifts as well. We just got to find out what we're called to do and do it. And then don't judge somebody else. Well, I'm here doing all the work and all he does is writes a check every once in a while. If that's what he's called to do, or she, you know, what, we just got to do our part, not gripe about anybody else. Let the master take care of the workers. Amen. So when he comes, he'll find us doing what he's called us to do. Hello. Not over in somebody else's Kool-Aid. You know, we don't take care of our own, right? So the third thing that we find in our portfolio of riches is withdrawal benefits. I like this. 
Isn't that always fun to go be able to go withdraw? Of course, Eric, you wouldn't know. Chantel does that for you, right? Yes, okay. <laughs> withdrawal benefits. I'm not talking about withdrawals from uh, some drug. <laughs> I'm talking about being able to draw something out, you know? I'm talking about we've had some deposits, now we're going to have some withdrawals, right? And, and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, the Apostle Paul is talking about this. And he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I thought that applied to the nursery. They won't all sleep, but they'll all be changed. That ought to be, that's our motto. <laughs> Paul said, here's a mystery. But no, he's talking about us. He's talking about the body of Christ. He says, I tell you, he says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We're going to be taken out of here. I'm talking about rapture, people. Wow, there's some withdrawal benefits of, of being in the body of Christ. Now, the thing is, if you're faithful to that gift that we talked about in the body of Christ, then you'll be like the Philadelphia church who is faithful over those. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. He said, I know that you have a, a little bit of strength, but because you've uh, kept the word of my patience, in other words, what he's told us to do, our assignment, and, and we've been patient in it as he's patient with us, he says, and have not denied my name. He says, I'm going to keep you from that hour of trial that comes upon the whole world. From the very beginning, he takes out. First mm. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 talks about the withdrawal process. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ. Remember, we were in Christ. Those who are, have died before us, before Christ came for rapture, says the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. My brain's trying to quote it from the King James as my mind's reading it from the NIV. But he says we're going to be caught up together with them. That's what he was talking about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, he says we're going to be caught up out of here. We're going to be withdrawn from here. God's going to make a withdrawal of his riches that he has, his incomparable riches. He's going to take us out of here. Amen? Oh, boy. It's good to know that Christ is in us and we are in Christ and that we're in the body of Christ, and one with another, and that we are encouraging and standing together, keeping each other strong so that each one of us can do our part, so that when the Lord comes to withdraw, we'll be ready. Read Matthew chapter 24 when he talks about two will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. If you look and you'll see one was a wicked servant, one was a wise servant. We need to be faithful and watching and loving his appearing. Number five, the fifth thing in our portfolio of riches is management opportunities. Isn't that good? You got management opportunities. You're not going to just stay down. He gives you management opportunities of ruling and reigning with him. Praise God. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 talk about this. He says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, you are worth, and they're, they're saying this to the Lord. They're, they're, this is the four and 20 elders and the 20, uh, uh, 
the 24 elders and the four living creatures are singing before the throne of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world or the Lord Jesus Christ. They say, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and will, with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The first part of our management opportunities comes that we are able to reign with him on the earth for that thousand year reign of Christ. We're part of his administration. Amen. So what do you want to be doing in that particular time? See, if you're faithful over the things he gives you here, the same way he finds you when he comes is how you're going to be ruling and reigning with him. So, you know, if you want a higher place, then we work and we're, we become 100% faithful to where we are. He says that we'll rule and reign with him for a thousand years over this earth while Christ sets up his earthly throne. That's the first stage. Revelation 22, verse 5, hey, management opportunities aren't, they're not over yet. Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, there will be no more night. There will be no need for light of, of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Praise God. Hey, you can't beat the riches, the wealth, what God has promised to us. He takes us from rags to riches. He takes us out of that state that we were in, in our filthy rags, and he says, I, hey, I'm going to deposit in you the best that I have. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to put you into him. What a secure position we have. And then he places us all together that working together we accomplish his purpose here on earth. To win the lost, to develop the saved. And everyone that works in that is faithful to what he's called them to do. Shares in the blessings and the benefits, the rewards that come. You know, praise God. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be the pastor. You can open, if you're called to be the doorkeeper, you get the same reward, amen? Or greater reward. If you're more faithful there than I am here, you get a greater reward. He, he, that's what he looks toward is faithfulness. Praise God. And steadfastness. Let me ask you, do you have a rags to riches story? In your spiritual life, do you know without a doubt that he's rescued you from, from that position that you were in? And now he's placed you in Christ and he's given you the, all of his wealth. Praise God. If you don't know that for sure, if you're not 100% sure that you've received Christ, if you're not aware of that, I mean, you know about him, but you haven't received him and you don't feel that you are a part of his body, why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't feel a part of the body of Christ. I don't, think that, I don't sense that Christ is in me and that I'm in him. But I know about him, but I just don't, I haven't received him. Anyone here today? We want to pray with you. We, want you we, we don't want you to be left out. Amen. Amen. We don't want you to be left out while we're doing things here on the earth, and we sure don't want you to be left out for eternity. Right. Well, maybe you're here today, and you've been rescued from darkness, and you've been rescued from that, those filthy rags of unrighteousness, that, that, uh, the state that you were in, and you've accepted Christ, and you know that Christ is in you, and you know that you're in the body of Christ, but you've just kind of been dormant. You've just been sitting there dormant and haven't been fulfilling what he's called you to do. I challenge you today to have, to turn that around and have a rags to riches story. 
that you can, it doesn't matter what the degree of your assignment, just be faithful to that assignment. And God will bless you. He will pour out a blessing that you can't even imagine exceedingly, abundantly, above all that he's able to ask or that you're able to ask or think. According to the power that works within you is what he says. That power, that's Christ in us. And the more we release him to flow through us. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. You simply need to start where you are. Grow where you're planted. God has invested all of his wealth in you. What are you doing with it? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want our ushers to go ahead and get the communion elements and prepare them to, to come forward.